Dan Wiederer. I mean, the dude is a tone setter, and that's undeniable. And I don't even think Ryan Poles and anyone in that front office would deny that. On-air contributor for 670 to score. I'm really excited to be part of the family. I can't wait to do it all year. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer. Flat-footed is what happens here at Hell's Hall way too often. Co-host of the Take the North podcast. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With our own David Hall. David, that's a, a lengthy description on the high-powered microscope that Matt Eberflus uses to judge his football team on a daily basis. And I think this is more than just a bunch of letters. Dan Wiederer with Mullane Haw on 670 The Bear School. down. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Dan Wiederer joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Dan, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys? You know what? I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a headache because I have. Uh, <laughs> we got a text from a guy who wanted to know if Sean Payton would be a good hire for the Bears. And. <laughs> And I laughed at it, literally laughed at it, because I thought, oh, come on, the Bears would never do anything like that. And then I was thinking, why, why am I of the belief that they are not ambitious? And, I, you know, there's a guy in Sean Payton who was a spare bear, who, uh, who was from Naperville, I believe. He's a local. I mean, yep. he would appreciate uh, what it means to be from Chicago. And, and, and I just dismiss it outright, because that's not a Bears-like thing. And, and as we talk about the Bears of the offseason, I think to myself, boy, I hope they hire a really good team president who will raise the bar to the point where I'm no longer dismissing any idea because they're ambitious all of a sudden. Well, first of all, my career got started in Naperville. So, yes, Sean Payton was a Naperville Central alumnus. I think I did a story on him when he became the, the Giants offensive coordinator. Wow. Uh, back in the day. So that's, that's, that's going back a little ways, but you're right. I mean, the, you're, you're conditioned to be skeptical. You're conditioned to believe in mediocrity and the bears are the ones in control of changing that and, and getting you out of that mindset. And to your point, they've got a golden opportunity here in the near future with a lot of things that they're about to do. One being hiring a team president to succeed Ted Phillips up there. And the, 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 the phrase you used that I've been using for a long time is raise the bar. It has to be a daily effort inside that building across every single department to raise the bar so we don't keep getting stuck in these seasons that have, you know, last place finishes and double-digit losses and nothing but arguments around, uh, among the fans on, on which direction the thing is pointed. Dan, what is your sense of how much this was expected? And I don't mean the struggles because everybody knew going into the season that the Bears were going to struggle. But there are they are 60 minutes away from setting a – a low watermark in terms of losses in a season historically. They're in the midst of their longest losing streak ever, and they've gotten rid of everybody who's close to making a Pro Bowl, essentially, uh, on the roster. And I just wonder, we talked about it yesterday on the show, when Ryan Poles was interviewing for this job, do you think that he was this transparent and expected the turnover, the teardown, if you will, to be this thorough and complete and exhausting? I think he was anticipating the teardown to be this thorough. I think what's troubling and problematic within this season is they have not added a whole lot of pieces. You had opportunities. I understand that you didn't have the same draft capital and the same salary cap space in 2022 to make major strides in your roster build, but they, they, they missed on a lot of different things. And some of the dice rolls they've taken have just crapped out immediately. And, and so you, you just aren't in a position where you feel like you've made a ton of progress in this season outside of the playmaking artistry of, of, of Justin Fields. I mean, look, I, like I ran 
some numbers yesterday for something I'm working on. They can't stop the run. They're 31st in the league stopping the run. Only the Texans are worse. They can't rush the passer. They've got 20 sacks. No one in the NFL has fewer than 20 sacks. They can't throw the football. Not only are they last in the league, but they'd have to be 60% better as a passing offense to crack the top 20. They can't protect the quarterback. They've given up 57 sacks this year, and only the Broncos and Colts are worse. And so you're looking at foundational things that a successful football team must do. Stop the run, rush the passer, throw the football, protect the quarterback. And you can't check a single one of those boxes. And you also have to just dream about potential new players that you don't have yet to think that those things are going to get fixed quickly. So, David, I mean, in, in, in a roundabout way to answer your question, I don't know. Like, I think most of us, I don't know where you guys were with your preseason record projection, but I was at 6-11. and 11. They're going to finish three games short of that. And, and it's just kind of shrugged off like, oh, well, what, what's the difference between 3-14 and 14 and 6-11? And well, there's a big difference. And so next year, when you make the climb back to 6-11, and 11, it's going to be significant progress, but it's not going to feel like it because you didn't get done in 2022 some of the things that could have gotten done within the season. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I had 6-11 and 11 too, and I think that my thinking was you go from six wins to nine wins. Like if you, if you have six wins – then you can yeah. improve that much. I don't think you go from three wins to nine wins. I, I don't, and and you can talk about being close in games, but they haven't. But they're been. not. No, no. And and now that the season has kind of resolved itself, you know, once the injuries start occurring, inevitably there are no backups. There are no. You're not getting better. I I think you come out of this season, and and you are overloaded with problem areas. You don't have a defensive line. You don't have, you know, you have a couple of guys that could be part of a group, but you need three starters. You know, you don't have an offensive line. Your offensive line looks worse now than it did after watching the, uh, the great uh, three sack performance from Braxton Jones, you realize, (laughs) Oh no, wait, he's not supposed to do that. Uh, And you say, where's he? I mean, I do, do you consider him a starter going into next year? I'm not saying that you that you ever did, but I think that if you felt that that there was a need for competition before, that was underscored. Yeah, I, I mean, Molly, you don't have an offensive line, you don't have a front seven, you don't have a receiving core. All right, <laughs> good luck, Ryan. Like, I hope I hope you've done your uh, pre-workout calisthenics because this is going to be one of the heavier lifts that you're ever going to participate in. Now, you've got some resources to do it with, but again, you've got to do a lot of things right. They're just, they're just a mess as, a, as a, a, a team right now. And the one thing that people thought was solved in this year, which is identifying the quarterback, still has some concern areas. Whether people want to hear it or not, your, your quarterback is the engine of a passing offense that's historically bad right now and, and was bad again the other day. It was the second time this year that they had been below 100 gross passing yards in a game. And the previous time that it happened before this year, was when Jimmy Clausen went out to Seattle, got beat 26 to nothing, and they punted on all 10 of the possessions he led. And so you, you see, like, this isn't like quarterback heaven here. This is, this is a historically bad passing offense, and the offensive line's part of that, the receiving core's part of that, sometimes the play calling's part of that, sometimes the quarterback's part of that. There's a lot here that needs to get fixed. Justin is 25 starts in to his career, guys. He's got 4,100 passing yards and 24 passing touchdowns. That would rank seventh in the NFL this season and ninth in the NFL this season with eight extra games tacked on to, to his, uh, his resume there. And so if it, 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 you can be hopeful and encouraged and, and confident about who the kid is as, a, as an athlete, who the kid is as a leader, who the kid is as a worker, but you can't overlook some of the flaws that have been here within this season and just say, yeah, no big deal, because it's not no big deal. And, and if you identify it as no big deal, 
you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed when, when the, the world comes crashing down on you. Well, I think that we agree on that, Dan, and I think you have been very objective about pointing that out along the way. And I, I think you hear that echoed in, like, yesterday, Habarkish on the afternoon show, quote, there's no guarantee that the Bears have got their quarterback of the future. And this kind of healthy skepticism is indeed healthy, I believe. My question would be, is it your sense – do you hear anything, do you sense anything about the way the Bears view that answer to the question? Do, do you think they believe that there are no guarantees that they've got the quarterback of the future? Or do you think that they have been left little choice except to be all in on Justin Fields? I, I mean, look, like there's def- different definitions of all in, in my opinion. One definition of all in is, is you go out in 2023 here and you, you try to build a team around him and you try to you know, get him resources on the offensive line and in the, the receiving core and in the stable of pass catchers that elevate him. But the, the, the next definition of all in is, are you going to pay him $200 million guaranteed to be your guy deep into the future? And I don't know that you can make that leap yet. I think Justin's established himself as a, as a, a starting quarterback who can be uh, someone that can go out on the field and, and be productive in his own ways on, on game days. Um, but we haven't seen anything that says, you know, definite star. And, you know, David, one of the things that I say is, like, go back and think about how, how people in Cleveland felt about Baker Mayfield when he came out of a rookie season, when he won six games for an organization that that, was, that may as well have been landing on the moon. You know, like, it was like, oh, Baker's our guy. Baker's the future. And now he's been on two different teams and he's getting shipped around the league. Kyler Murray was the offensive rookie of the year and was, was lighting the league up his first year. And eventually they got to a point where they said, let's let's, you know, throw a whole uh, Brinks truck worth of money at Kyler and, and uh, you know, make him our guy. Where are the Cardinals right now? This league comes at you fast, and you have to be ready to progress at an accelerated rate. And it doesn't wait around for you to, to try to figure things out, and it doesn't wait around for, for your coaching staff and your general manager to put things around you so that they're perfect either. You know, And so this is part of the urgency that um, – people in the mainstream fan base have, have not had this year and understandably so because it's really frustrating to live in that world of urgency when it's not going to get done but eventually the, the, the clock catches up with you and I think 2023 is a year where the clock could catch up on you in a lot of different ways to where next year at this time we're talking about oh boy <laughs> you know it's, it's very possible next year at this time we're talking about oh boy this is uh, not where we thought it was going to be. Well, and, and, you know, we've talked about this idea. You know, Kevin Warren would represent an ambitious move with the team president. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, it. It would be more likely, given past hiring history, to promote someone from within that you've groomed to kind of understand that the job is to protect the, the family and to, and to take some bullets, et cetera. I, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they do get someone like Kevin Warren. And if they do, how does that change the time frame that the general manager has, that the coach has? You know, it's easy to say, well, we hired a young guy. We got to give him seven years. We did it with Ryan Pace. I, and I'm not saying that, that Poles isn't better than Pace or isn't going to do better work or whatever. I'm saying the timetable changes if you're ambitious in the hiring of the president. There's no question, Molly. There's no question. And this is one of the sort of, I don't know if you'd call it an existential issue for the franchise, but it's like, what are you after in your daily world up at 1920 Football Drive in Lake Forest? Are you you after uh, a work environment where you can feel good or you're after a work environment where you can achieve big things? And I think that's part of the problem that I've observed over 10 years covering this team that, that isn't quite identified internally about how to strive big, how to make 
decisions to compete in a cutthroat world. And, you know, I've had people around the league, some that know Kevin very well, say that he would be a shock to that building, right? Like immediately would set a standard and demands that would cause some people to go, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. You know, and my response to that is good, you know, because that's what that building needs. It needs somebody to say, guys, we have underachieved for 30 years. The way to get out of this is to to push, you know, and to think big and to have ambition and, and to, to swing for the fences and to not just, uh, you know, want to, to feel good at the end of every workday. It's, it's not how it works. And so uh, it's going to be fascinating to see who they hire and, and, and how they roll them out whenever that time comes. Obviously, I would think it would be soon. Ted has uh, said that his last day is going to be February 28th. Now, that's obviously flexible, <laughs> but, you know, that's click, that's right around the corner at this point, guys, and, and they've had. Uh, several months now to go through this search with Nolan Partners as their search firm and be really fascinating to see where it lands. As we talk about these big picture issues, Dan, I, I wonder if during this offseason how closely the Bears will be monitoring or influenced by what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens, when we talk about stylistically, are the closest thing the Bears have to, as a model because they have a quarterback who is very similar, a quarterback whose record may be broken on Sunday but they have yet to commit to that quarterback long-term financially. And I just wonder, do you anticipate that having any ripple effects at Howells Hall? Does it depend on who maybe the team president is? And how closely aligned should we look at the Ravens as it relates to the Bears? In in what way? Well, if they they don't sign Lamar Jackson to a long-term contract because of concerns that they have and express about his – durability or the sustainability of a running quarterback like that getting injured or paying him the big money, will that have any effect on how committed the Bears are to Justin Fields? See, I don't think it will have a, a, a grand effect on that. And there's a couple of things here because you and I have talked on the podcast. I, I think I think that Justin Fields has more arm talent. I think he has more potential as a passer. I think he's more polished in the way he goes about things from the pocket and, and in the passing game that, that makes him a different beast than Lamar Jackson. At the same time, you go back and look at the year that Lamar Jackson won the MVP award and set this rushing record that Justin's trying to chase down on Sunday. If he's allowed to play Lamar Jackson in that season threw for 3,100 yards and 36 touchdown passes, right? Like, like it wasn't just running, 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 big play, big play, big play, big play. They made plays in the passing game on a consistent basis. And, and I, I think they were 13 and two in his in his time starting that season, right? So it's a different comp here uh, in a lot of different ways. And I, I just think the Bears have to, to, to live in their lane. I think they have to be very honest with what they're seeing in Justin. I think you have the benefit of Ryan Poles not being emotionally attached to the draft pick, which obviously wasn't a benefit that uh, Ryan Pace had as, as they were seeing through the Mitch Trubisky uh, you know, decisions as, as time went along. And so now they've just got to make a, a, a grounded, sober decision on who they think he is as a quarterback, who they think he can become, and then make all their other you know complimentary decisions around what their evaluation tells them. The Lions rolled up what five hundred plus yards, right? Against five hundred four. Yep. Okay. So, wh- wh- how does that impact the way you look at this Vikings game? Since they're going to play their starters and they want to try to uh, try to uh, get the second seed, does that mean? that we're going to see, um, you know, some record completion from the quarterback, some <laughs> Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, record he's after. I, I'm just saying that, like, 
the Bears have hit like a new level of this season where you didn't see the hits principle. You didn't see the intensity or the or the the uh, the focus that you're supposed to have. The smart situational football. You just saw a bunch of guys out there waiting to to get the season over with. Yeah, that certainly on Sunday you did, and that was probably the most troubling thing is there were just business decisions being made left and right. Guys not. Uh, putting their bodies on the line to make a tackle. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that, then the result ends in 504 at the end of the day. By the way, the Lions, who uh, aren't going away anytime soon, are on in, in verge of playoff contention, and then they've got two first-round picks and four in the top 60. So if you think your division is uh, suddenly wide open for you, take a look at what some of the other teams are have got going for them. But, Molly, in, in October, when the Bears went to Minneapolis with a defense that still included Roquan Smith, and Robert Quinn and they were and Eddie Jackson and were pretty close to hole. It felt like Kirk Cousins just threw nine consecutive first quarter passes to Justin Jefferson that weren't defended. You know, and like all of a sudden they, they were behind by whatever they were behind, and they had a, to play in a chase game there, and that was with a a complete defense. So what can happen if you're you're not invested and you, you're not whole and and you go out there? Look, I, they got blown out by the Bills late in that game. They got blown out pretty much the entire day by the Lions. I don't think you can afford third consecutive blowout on the way out the door of the 2022 season and still believe that every single player that's a part of the, the core and the foundation is going to believe in the, the leaders of this team. If, if you go out the last three weeks of the season and get your doors blown off, remember that four game stretch that everyone felt good about was six games ago. And since that the bears have been doubled in scoring. They've been outscored like in, by an average of 32 to 16 in the last six games. And so for those who think, Oh, this team has just stayed plucky and competitive all year. The numbers don't show that, you know? And so it's time for you to try to get out the door uh, with as much respect as you can. And that requires some extra effort and and, and discipline and and concentration this week. 30 seconds, Dan is the practice indoors today closed because of concerns over the body and trying to a physical decision uh, because of the wear and tear or other reasons. No, I was told uh, yesterday by someone inside the building that I shouldn't read into it, that there was nothing more to to the decision to, to make it a closed walkthrough rather than an extended practice, other than that they've done this a couple times over the last you know four or five weeks, and they're just trying to take some wear and tear off the guys and that it uh, didn't really have much to do with anything else. So um, we'll see where they go. We're going to hopefully hear from Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, and, uh, and then after the walkthrough, a couple other players. And uh, obviously I think we'll be eager to hear what these guys say in terms of their reaction to – to what happened Monday night and how, how their, their psyche is doing with all that. Dan, thanks a ton. Great stuff. Appreciate your time. Happy New Year, fellas.